I'm looking for ears. Ah, <laughs> oh, there they are. This morning's message is entitled, Are You Listening? The scripture reading this morning is from Matthew 13, chapter 18 through 23. If you'd like to follow along in, in your Bible. Jesus is talking to the disciples and the multitudes of the people that have gathered around him. He is performing miracles, talking and teaching in parables, and listening to the people. Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arise, he immediately stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns, he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on good ground. He who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit, produces some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. This ends the scripture reading for this morning. The King James Version of the Bible can be very difficult to understand, so let me give you a little clearer version of what I just read. The parable is the prophecy of God's reception, the gospel's reception, how we receive God's word in our heart. Some people will not listen to it at all. Some will accept it but soon fall away. Some will hold on a little bit longer but gradually lose interest. And some will hold on in varying degrees until their lives show in practice what the gospel is all about. Are you listening? An excited little boy was telling his daddy about something that had happened to him that day. And his daddy said, slow down, son, you're talking way too fast. He said, oh no, dad, I'm not talking too fast. You're listening way too slow. <laughs> it's been said that we think four times faster than we talk. This means that if a speaker talks at 120 words a minute, we can listen at 500 words a minute. So, I suppose that I need to talk a little bit faster, or else you'll need to listen a little bit slower. Otherwise, some of you might fall asleep. In James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to anger, and even slower to speak. 
In James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be... I just repeated that. <laughs> there are a lot of occupations and situations that make it almost impossible for us to be slow to anger. And I'm assuming that Helen and Kelly probably get that today more than anybody. Because sometimes our jobs just make it that difficult. There is a story told that when Napoleon was making plans to invade England, he was told that an American wanted to see him. I'll give you two minutes, Napoleon said. But two minutes was not long enough to understand the revolutionary idea of ships prepared by steam, propelled by steam. Had Napoleon listened just a little longer to Robert Fulton, who was instrumental in steamboat travel, the history of the world may have been much different than it is today, had he just listened a little bit longer. How many times have you cut someone off in mid-sentence because you thought you knew what they were going to say before they said it, and you were wrong? If you have done that, you're the new Napoleon. It pays to listen to the right person at the right time and for the right length of time. It pays. After Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, God said in Matthew 17, chapter 5, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It always pays to listen to Jesus. An 80-year-old grandfather went to his daughter's house for Sunday dinner. When the meal was over, he announced that he was going to take a walk through the neighborhood. I'll be back in 20 minutes, he said. But two hours had passed before he finally returned. Sorry, I'm late, he said, but I stopped to talk to an old friend and he just wouldn't stop listening. Sometimes it pays to listen a little while longer, especially when it comes to listening to God's word. We should never stop listening to the Word of God. It pays big dividends to listen to the Lord and learn from Him, whether through a sermon, a Sunday school lesson, a radio program, music, or just experiences in our own lives. In our text about the parable of the sower, Jesus speaks about four different hearers or listeners. The hard-hearted listener, the shallow-hearted listener, the clutter-hearted listener, and the good-hearted listener. Let's take a closer look at each one of those this morning. What kind of listener are you? Now here's the disclaimer for this morning's message. If you're honest with yourself, you may not like the answer, but the good news is you can always change it. The first one is a hard-hearted listener, Matthew 13, 19. When everyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside, or by accident, if you will. The hard-hearted listener is hardened to the gospel because they can't seem to understand it or grasp it. It's really not because they can't, it's because they won't. Satan snatches up that little bit that was sown in that person's heart before it can even start to grow and bear fruit. There are some that think 
that they are so mentally strong, emotionally tough, or just plain stubborn, that they're not going to give in to the tender touch of God's calling through his word. Are you listening? At one point during the game, the baseball coach said to one of his younger players, do you understand what cooperation is, what a team is? The little boy nodded yes. The coach continued, do you understand that what it takes for a team to win? What is teamwork? The little boy nodded yes again. And the coach continued, when a strike is called or you're out at first, you don't argue or cuss or attack the umpire. Do you understand that? Again, the little boy nodded yes. Good, said the coach. Would you please go tell your parents? <laughs> That's probably truer than we want to admit to. Brothers and sisters, there are some things that some people just don't seem to understand in life. However, understanding all about baseball is not nearly as important as understanding the basics and the essentials of the gospel. Three boys were talking about their fathers. One of them said, my father is a great professor. And when he is talking, there are only ten people in the world that understand him. The second boy said, my father is a great brain surgeon, and when he talks about his surgery, only five people in the world understand him. The third boy said, my father is a preacher, and when he's preaching, no one understands him. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, Pray for us, too, that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. In order to keep Satan from stealing what has been sown in people's hearts and minds, we must make the message of Christ clear and as interesting as possible. That's what Christians are supposed to do. The second one is the shallow-hearted listener. Matthew chapter 13, verses 20 and 21 the one who receives seed that fell on the rocky place is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no right or a deep understanding of the lessons of faith, he lasts only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The shallow-hearted listener doesn't have any staying power. They're quick to believe, receive, and rejoice, but they don't stay with the program or the person of Christ. Their faith is on the surface. It has no depth. No deep-seated conviction. This listener decides it's not worth it and abandons any subjection of Christ. Akino was a Japanese dog who used to accompany his master to the railroad station each morning and then greet him back in the evening at the station. One night in 1925, the man did not return, having died in another city. Although the little dog had known his master for only a few months, for over ten years after his master's passing, the dog went to the station 
every night and trotted home again after waiting an hour. The faithfulness of Aquino impressed the nation so much that the government erected a statue of the dog on the very spot that he had persevered and waited for his master. And then they erected statuettes at all the schools in the Japanese empire. The movie Hachi was based on that story. Maybe some of you have seen that movie. It is a touching movie. But it's a shame that sometimes we humans and some Christians are not as faithful or as enduring as some dogs. But it's true. I've known a number of people who have started jogging and exercise programs. I'm one of those. Because it seems to be so beneficial. But after only a short time, they quit. Why? Did the excitement wear off? Did the going get tough? Was the experience of sore muscles, leg aches, just too much? What people have done with various activities in their lives, they have also done with their jobs, and they have done that with Christ and his church. They don't stick to it. And why is that? Is it our fault? Or is it theirs? Part of the blame probably is ours. To a large extent, extent, it depends on how much we help newcomers to the church, how well we listen to them, how we make them feel welcome and comfortable, and how much we love them and support them. Having a church family is a huge support system. And I know the members of this church know what that means to them. That's not just in your faith. The church can support you with all kinds of problems in your life. If you just ask, if you just seek, the answers really are here. E. Stanley Jones, who became a Christian missionary, said one time, I'm quite sure I should not have survived this as a young Christian had I not had the cooperation of the church to hold me up. When I rejoiced, they rejoiced. They rejoiced with me. When I was weak, they strengthened me. And when I would sometimes fall, they would gather around me with prayer and love without blame or condemnation. They lovingly picked me up and put me back on my feet again and again and again. And that's it. That's the one key to the survival of all Christians. We must love them, and even in their failures, love them more. For that's when they need us the most. And we need to pray for them. Prayer is powerful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Romans chapter 14, verses 1, accept them whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. And that's a hard one because we all have opinions. And sometimes we can't keep the opinions to ourselves. Romans chapter 15, verse 1, 
We who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak and not be pleased with ourselves. Each of us should be pleased, please his neighbor for his good, to build them up, not us. I've heard it said that Christians are the only people that shoot their wounded, and I'm not quite sure that's always true. But it does seem to be that way from time to time. In other words, when someone falls or sins, what do we do? Do we shoot them or do we try to save them? Do we criticize them, condemn them, before we even try to help them or cure the problem? Maybe we're guilty of that a little. Consequently, some will not remain faithful. When the going gets tough, they get going in the wrong direction. Whether they find life tough or the Christian life even tougher, they just drop out. And such is the shallow-hearted listener. The clutter-hearted listener may have the largest percentage of the four. Matthew chapter 13, verses 22. The one who receives seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. The clutter-hearted listener has cluttered his life with the things of this world. They hear the word in a superficial way. They appear outwardly genuine, but in time their interest is choked by the cares of, the war, of this world and by the delights in riches. Listen to this prayer. Dear Lord, please leave me alone. Just let me sit here in my own pew on Sunday. O oh Lord, guard my seat. Please don't let anyone else try to sit here. O oh Lord, I know that you know that that's my seat. Precious Lord, please get me home quickly after church service today because someone will try to recruit me to actually do something that I just don't want to do. Lord, make them understand that I'm happy and content to just show up on certain Sundays. Heavenly Father, thank you for hearing my prayer, but I've got to go now. The kickoff to the football game is just a few minutes away. Thank you very much. Amen. Huh. When we're sitting in church, do we think about Sunday dinner? We do. We're human. But we need to listen. We need to be a little bit more fo focused as, as Christians. We have so much diversion in our lives. Does this sound like Americans are inter interested in God and Christ? I'm not trying to point the finger at us. I'm pointing the finger at Americans in general. The, the vast majority of Americans are not interested in God. They are interested in everything and anything else but that. They have no spiritual priorities. The vast majority of people in America may talk a bit about Christianity, but they don't practice it. It takes them away from all the things that they would rather do. Ask the average person what they're interested in and see what they say. They don't talk about God, Christ, church. They talk about sports, movies, food, hobbies, cars, everything else to avoid the subject. I had a Christian friend tell me 
this just a while back. That while he was out walking one, one morning, he noticed a neighbor that he didn't even know existed. What captured his attention was the fact that he had a big bass boat in his garage. He walked over and introduced himself and naturally discovered that he was an avid bass fisherman. The neighbor had a 21-foot Ranger bass boat in his garage. They don't give those away. But what does that say? And the reason I'm telling you this is because my friend stated that if he didn't know the Lord, he would probably fish every day if he had a chance. And this is the problem in affluent America. We have everything. We have all kinds of clutter in our lives. It's all around us. Too many gadgets and gizmos to occupy our time. We have way too many extracurricular activities. Too many things to waste our time with that are unproductive, unhealthy, unsustainable, and ungodly. God is left out of the picture and out of our lives. Thorns of clutter. Ouch. The last type of listener is a good-hearted listener. Matthew chapter 13, verses 23. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces the crop, yield 160 and 30 times what he has sown. The good-hearted listener hears the word, understands it, and bears fruit. And I want to make clear this morning what bearing fruit means. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're bringing the word of God to someone or helping to save a soul, which only God saves souls, quite frankly. But it's the change in your life. Your life can bear fruit. You're becoming more Christ-like. That's bearing fruit as well. That can be in your own life. That can be individual. That's your relationship between you and God. Although these kinds of believers do not produce the same amount of fruit, they all show their fruit by living a godly life. We need to have a strong I will to listen to God's word instead of a strong I won't. A man walked out of church one Sunday morning and said to the preacher, that was a good sermon. I couldn't find myself in any part of that sermon. That man obviously was not a good-hearted listener, or he was sleeping. I heard one time, too, that the gauge of a good sermon is when a person leaves the church not saying, what a good sermon, but rather, I will do something, or I'm going to change something. That's the good-hearted listener. And that's a good sermon, and that's what makes a good Christian. Our memory verse this morning, and it's a short one, comes from James chapter 1, verses 22. Be ye doers of the word, and not just hearers only. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. We must translate the Bible into action. 
There should never be a time when we go to Scripture without allowing it to change our lives for the better. A lady of high society was looking at a picture she had never seen before in the City Art Museum. My dear fellow, she said to the curator, I've never seen this painting before. I find the image shallow and rather crude in appearance. What do you call this? The curator answered without hesitation, Madam, it's a mirror. (laughs) That statement says a lot. Just think about that for a moment. In James chapter 1, verses 23 and 25, everyone who listens to the word but does not want it is a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he was looking at. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. The good-hearted listener sees himself in the mirror of God's word and doesn't like it. You understand what I'm saying? And doesn't like it. Consequently, he does something to change that image. He believes and tries to live by the word. He allows God's word to bear fruit in his life. The good-hearted listener understands and in understanding bears fruit. In conclusion this morning, are you a good listener? Let's apply this to our personal lives in everyday living for just a moment. Do you listen to your spouse when they're speaking? I know you hear them, but are you listening to what they say and how they say it? The inflection in his or her voice, the volume and the speed at which they're speaking. Are you really paying attention? Are you listening? You can listen with your eyes the look on their face, their body language, their demeanor. And if you're not a good listener, you better use your eyes to see what's coming at you. You can hear with distrust. You think I'm kidding. But how about a compassionate kiss versus an obligatory one? Or holding your significant other's hand with affection rather than with a cold lift hand barely hanging on your knob? Women especially will hear and affect Just ask. The same thing applies with your children, your grandchildren, co-workers, friends, and your neighbors. And you can also hear with your heart. When you're around those you love, how does that make you feel? No words have to be spoken. No glances have to be shared, but it's there. You can feel it. You can hear it in your heart. Unfortunately, it applies to other emotions as well. Hate, greed, envy, selfish pride, to just name a few. Do you hear what's being said this morning? Are you really listening? Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, 
here I am. Stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Are you listening today? Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He's knocking in many ways and by the means of many people. Do you hear them? Are you listening? He's not saying, let's do lunch. He's saying, let's do life together. Father, help us not to only listen to your word and your purpose for our lives, but to also listen to others. Be a good listener with our hearts and our eyes and our ears. Strengthen our resolve to be patient when we listen and to hear the whole story to help us understand clearly and completely. In Jesus' name, amen. What the usher